Hello. Welcome to Public Affairs and WRBH. I'm Lynn Koppel, and today we're joined by Dr. Ann Foundas, who has started a project, I think I'm right about this, that should be of interest to us all, the Brain Institute of Louisiana. Thank you for coming on, Dr. Foundas. Well, thank you for having me. Well, we this is the kind of information I, I want to share with everybody. Tell me about the Brain Institute, and, and how did you start it, and what are its goals? Well, I'm a native, so I was raised in Louisiana, and I've worked here many years. And there is a need, I believe, to pull people together, and to improve brain health in Louisiana. So the main goal of this private, nonprofit, charitable foundation is to enhance brain health through medical research and education. Mm -hmm. And also, because we're a relatively small group, initially I'm concentrating in developing programs in southern Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And if you look at physicians, Ph.D. researchers who are clinicians and researchers that deal with brain-related problems in people rather than animals or in a Mm -hmm. laboratory to try to see if we can translate that to change outcomes, access to care, um, health outcomes in a variety of clinical problems in Louisiana. Now, that's kind of interesting. And I guess even treat, we talk about treatment outcomes. In other words, what, how do you treat this? I guess you have to know first what this is before Correct. you can treat it. And that's the sort of thing. Yes. Right? And yes. And so what we've done is because we have strengths in certain areas, mm-hmm. again, in southern Louisiana, in terms of individuals to pull together, we focused on five main areas that sure. we call centers of excellence. And so it's easy to remember. So two A's, two S's, and one B. So the two A's and also two are age-related mm-hmm. disorders, and two are more childhood-related. That's good. And so Alzheimer's, autism, spectrum disorder, brain health, which is sort of a, the in-between, if you will, mm-hmm. and stroke and stroke-related cognitive problems, brain problems, and stuttering and language disorders. Mm. Well, those, you know, that's very interesting. That seems to, as you say, spans the age problems Correct. and something... <laughs> Unfortunately, so many of these are things that we're all are having to deal with, uh, Alzheimer's. I mean, something that anyone of a certain age has encountered, <laughs> alas, in their friends, if not in themselves. Yes. And, of course, autism and um, the things related to that, which is very puzzling. Can you answer something? And this, this sure. you might not be able to. Is there more autism, do you think, now than there was, say, when I was growing up or when you were growing up? Or is this just that we recognize different things? Uh, and if there is, why? I know that is that's a, no, that's a, a, it's you, a, that's a global question. No, it's, a, it's question. a good question. I believe that probably the biggest factor is that the public is more educated about the definition. Mm -hmm. And also, when you talk about it as a spectrum, Mm -hmm. it means that it's a large uh, basket, if you will, from people that are severely impaired and maybe can't communicate at all verbally or understand Mm -hmm. emotion to people that are high-functioning but are socially awkward. And so I think people recognize it more. And also, because there are even initiatives at the federal and state level to support treatment, I Mm -hmm. think people are a lot more aware. I know dealing at it from the education point of view for many years is it wasn't a recognized 
thing. It was just a child who had problems, and how would you deal with that? And then it sort of morphed into, whoops, this is this is a special thing, because it was so varied. Uh, Correct. Now I'm I don't I've never taught in anything under K twelve. I'm a university college professor, but even there, you would see people who you would say, there's something about this person, but it was never an identified thing until fairly recently. Oh, I'd say the past 15 or 20 years. Well, you know, and again, I think, you know, if you have children or you have friends that have children or in your extended family, you can even observe children who might like to play more by themselves. Sure. Now, is that different? Is that exceptional? Is that problematic? Not necessarily, but again, it may be that that individual who does that and may have some repetitive behaviors Mm -hmm. and not maintain eye contact, and maybe their language is delayed in terms of development, that person should be evaluated. And the first thing is, of course, you know, the pediatrician who is the referral to other things. But again, I think that we all have come across people that, you know, it could even be, you know, you're adult and you're at a conference or you're even at a party, a cocktail sure, party or a dinner course. party, and somebody's just so awkward and they don't look at you. I mean, are they having a bad day? Are they depressed? <laughs> or is it something else? Do they hate you? <laughs> Correct. You know, <laughs> they know and I, you too well. And, um, yeah. but, I, but I think, you know, in terms of autism spectrum disorder, what's interesting is within southern Louisiana, so from Baton Rouge to uh, New Orleans, there are some excellent programs at a variety of institutions. The one that, that I've gotten involved with is the Emerge Center in Baton Rouge, mm-hmm. which is absolutely outstanding. They're a, a nonprofit organization. We're starting to do some research because how can you bridge research to translate it into better care for individuals exactly. and better mm-hmm. access to care? So the first thing we're trying to do is to look at the group of individuals that they've been seeing in in their clinical setting, which is very individualized, and see how they do over time. They've also started a charter school that is targeting children with developmental delay. And that allows us a natural laboratory to do longitudinal or annual evaluations and follow-up and look at innovative interventions. But here in New Orleans, you know, Tulane has an excellent program, Children's Hospital does, Mm -hmm. And UNO, there's a, a former student and a really a good a colleague of mine who's there who's starting to do research, but also educate the next generation so we can improve assessment, treatments, and innovative care that will hopefully improve outcomes. Well, that's in Louisiana, but but that's perfect. In other words, you're not experimenting on children. But then again, you're not looking at how rats behave in a situation and trying to say, well, do children behave this way? So you're actually, you know, it's a, a humanistic kind of a thing where Correct. you look at human beings yes. and, and different things, and you can kind of compare that much easier. Well, that sounds wonderful. And I, I guess, how are you doing with, oh, let's be old, Alzheimer's and dementia and well, so, dementia. well, so there are some unique things about our population in Louisiana. So if you look at age-related cognitive problems, so cognition is everything to do with thinking, memory, new learning, speaking, how to get from here to your car, how to drive to an unfamiliar place and remember it next time. All that is cognition or cognitive operation. All of those things are instantiated in the brain in specific localized areas. Like, I think everybody kind of knows the left brain 
is different than the right brain. And the pathways in the brain cross over. So most people are right-handed, and the Mm -hmm. left brain is most dominant for language, speaking, tool use, things that you use with Mm -hmm. your right hand. The right brain, which is controlled the left hand, is more involved in spatial relations, how to get from here to there. And in fact, when you think about people that have excellent aptitude and ability in things that require spatial relations like architecture, engineering, mathematics, um, the visual and performing arts that are more spatial or big picture, they may have more um, excellence in the right brain. So with age, what's typical, what is expected, because just like we all get wrinkles, we all get age spots on our hands, we all get changes in our muscle bulk and tone, what happens with the brain, what is expected, and what's different. And so our goal is to educate people about that. And we're starting to have some community activities, hopefully, that will be rolled out, you know, March. And uh, I don't know how often we can do that and if they'll be both here and in Baton Rouge. But, you know, I would encourage people to, you know, pay attention. And, you know, our goal is not just to educate people, but to help people to get plugged in with better care and improve that access to care. I know a number of churches have started things, well, as of course have old, you know, um, old, I don't want to say old people's homes, but things like that. But I know churches often have like a day, a day out or a day for caregivers and the people for whom they're caring. Yes. Which, you know, just to kind of give a socialization and make everybody happy and, you know, do simple things like play games, perhaps play well, music. Well, you know, and it's, and, and like it, well, well, let me give you some, you know, I, I mentioned first that in Louisiana there are some differences. So mm-hmm. one is that people develop cognitive changes earlier. So that's one thing that in maybe Louisiana? in Louisiana oh, compared scary. then some of the rest of the country. Okay. One of the other things is because we're in the southern stroke belt, we have a lot of vascular disease, cardiovascular, brain-related vascular problems. So people can have a double hit where they have degenerative Mm. changes in the brain like Alzheimer's and you lose brain tissue that affects your ability to function in specific areas. But in addition, those brain networks may be affected by microvascular or mini strokes, Mm. if you will. And so we have that double hit. And so, again, what does that mean for us? But the good news is one in three people who might be at risk for developing Mm -hmm. dementia, which means not only do you have changes in your cognitive operations, but you need assistance day to day. Mm -hmm. You need help with your functional activities. That one in three is preventable. And a lot of people think Alzheimer's or cognitive decline is not preventable. And there's a number of things you can do because you mentioned about churches. And so one is to learn new things. Mm -hmm. Don't become socially isolated. Manage your medical conditions. Move. Like just exercise. And there are studies that even talk about the prescription or what is the threshold of what you need to do. We can talk about that in a minute. But the other thing is sleep. So sleep changes with age. That's part of the thing of what happens. But some brain-related problems can disrupt sleep architecture more. And just having a bad night's sleep can make you have more difficulty functioning the next day. We all know that. Well, and it's, yes. and it, it's more difficult to compensate for that with increasing age. You're absolutely right. Uh, I could stay up all night long when I was a little bit younger. But now, if I go to bed after 
10.30, you know, the next morning when I hop up at 6 o'clock, I'm, oh, gosh, I'm kind of dragging. No, it's true. And that's that's true. But tell us about some of these preventative things. You've, you've talked about them, but Well, so in elaborate. terms of exercise, so moving and, and, and doing regular exercise. So there's a study that was published, oh, I think about two years ago. But what was good about this study is that it was longitudinal. So it studied... Mm-hmm a large group of community-dwelling older adults, mm-hmm. so 65, 75, sure. 85, over, and it followed them every year for about 14 years. Wow. And it, yes, and it looked at what their natural patterns are of exercise, and it looked at a trajectory of change in terms of cognitive decline. Mm-hmm. And again, what are the things that change with age in, in healthy aging adults? It's just like your gait, your walking slows Mm -hmm. down, your thinking slows down a little bit. But, you know, again, looking at objective tests and looking at these individuals annually. And what they found is people that exercised, and it wasn't that you had to exercise every day, 20 minutes or three hours a Mm -hmm. week necessarily, but it was over a three-month period, the amount of exercise time. And then you go back and you look at other studies and it says, are there qualitatively different types of exercise that help more? But just some, some, some basic things. If you walk 10 minutes, mm-hmm. five days a week, if you walk up a flight of step, you know, three flights a day. Now, walking up steps is better for your brain and your knees than walking down. So and, walk and up steps. Correct. <laughs> But again, you don't have to do those things fast no. because remember, you want to slow, you don't want to fall because mobility is one of the other things mm-hmm. that can affect oh, yes. aging, you know, besides mm-hmm. in terms of brain related things. But again, in, in, and again, in an ideal world, the thing is to maintain and enhance your muscle strength and your balance. And you can do that. The best thing is to do some mild weight training and aerobics, a combination of that and just even leisurely walking. Mm -hmm. So, oh, and speaking of that, so actually one of our first big event in the Brain Institute of Louisiana is that we're going to have a walk run in Audubon Park, May 19th. May 19th. Would you remember and Remind me of that at the end of the show so we can get people excited yes, about it. Yes, and get people to and look at how to do it. Because yeah. actually we just put online on mm-hmm. our website where you can actually click there and go and register. So well, we're really excited. Let's do that. Don't forget. I won't. Stop. I won't forget. You know, I'm getting old, so don't <laughs> remind me at well, the me end too. of the show. Well, me too. Are we all? What's yeah. the alternative, right? That's so, true. So, um, But are there other things you can do, for instance, like diet? Does that have anything to do yeah, with Yeah, so actually diet, you know, so I happen to be Mediterranean background. It doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean that I'm going to age well, right? No, but because but the Mediterranean diet people talk about, you know, and you even hear on you know Dr. Oz or all these you know yes. uh, p- PR things where they talk about it. But the Mediterranean diet, basically, what it means: eat things that grow in the ground, eat okay. green things, so mm-hmm. fruits and vegetables. But a lot of healthy green vegetables is really important. And then what I do is, you know, again, trying to give people um, ways of remembering things. So I talk about the three M's. And there's actually, from a talk that I did a number of years ago when I was in Kansas City with the Dana Foundation, talking about brain health, the three M's, there's a clip that you can see that's on the website. But it's move, Mm -hmm. manage your medical conditions, and moderate. So in addition to diet is moderate because it's the lifestyle changes. Now, if you never drank, fine. If you never smoked, fine. But if you still do, and if you did too much at some point in your life, moderate. 
okay. cut back. That helps with aging, and it helps in a lot of areas. In terms of managing your medical conditions, we know that people with chronic medical conditions, and again, this is very prevalent in Louisiana, hypertension, coronary artery disease, mm, you know, yes, vascular sure. disease, high cholesterol, obesity, all of those things you have to manage and you have to treat those things, and that can hopefully prevent the adverse effects of those when they're untreated in terms of your brain. So move, moderate, manage your medical conditions. The fourth thing I kind of add is mood. And, you know, one of the things that we find in the clinical setting, so I have a memory disorder clinic, and people that notice that they've had a cognitive change oftentimes will be depressed because they mm -hmm. have insight. And it's not that they've had problems with mood and depression earlier in life. And so you want to treat that. But also, it's important to remember that just because you have a change in your memory or a cognitive decline, some things are treatable. About 10% of people mm -hmm. that come to the clinic are treatable and are not going to go on to develop a progressive decline. And also, you can moderate and change the trajectory of decline. You know, that's very, Isn't that exciting? Th well, it is very exciting. I mean, that there is... Something is available, and there's information being gathered yes. to find out what's the best. And, you know, so many of the things you've talked about seem to me to be interconnected. Yes. Diet and sleep. sleep and the things, you know, about what exercise. Yes. You don't exercise if you're perhaps heavier than you ought to be or that you're um, you're not well, feeling you know, the so good. The other thing is, again, yeah. stress reduction, oh, um, yes. social oh. isolation, learn something new. Those are mm -hmm. important things. But a lot of times, it's certain periods in your life, and we all know that because, again, there's new studies that show what you do in your midlife, mid-40s, 50s, can have an impact on how you age in your 70s and 80s. And some of those things, when people are in their mid-40s, that's when you're going through if you have oh, work— gosh. You have children, you have all sorts of family things, and the stress level might be really high. Oh, and oftentimes, especially women, what do you sacrifice? Going to the gym and working out. Absolutely. And so is that healthy? Maybe you're eating too much fast food or prepared and food instead of run. things that grow on the ground yeah. that are fresh. Well, you know, too, it, it also sometimes... Not isolating, really, but not taking time for self-reflection and being able to do things that you really enjoy. But so I'll tell you, one of the that. things that I'm most excited about mm -hmm. is the next generation. Oh, I good. think that they have a different attitude towards a number of things. So, you know, again, like many people, you know, I have immigrant family, you know, I'm second generation mm -hmm. uh, European, as I mentioned, Mediterranean background. But the kids today, and it was a whole thing about you want to do better than your parents, Absolutely. more educated, more, yes. you know, whatever it is. Get ahead, get and ahead. And now yeah. it's more, let me think about what my lifestyle is and what I want to do that I'm passionate about and what can I do to give back. And so there's more focus on taking care of themselves. And as long as you, as a young person, you keep moving forward, you find your niche, you're independent and support yourself. I think it's really, you know, I'm most excited about that, the next generation. One of the best things for aging 
is actually to be with younger people. Oh, isn't it? And yes, animals. It. You know, animals, <laughs> we, we forget about that. But, you know, people that have, particularly dogs, you know, there's studies that have shown it can reduce your blood pressure. Mm, okay. You know, there are comfort dogs. I, I had a patient recently, a comfort dog. So, you know, it, it's kind of remarkable. Well, you know... It, I can't tell you what my Facebook looks like between dog <laughs> stories and cat stories, but obviously people understand this, that it's it's a way to, I guess, uh, avoid loneliness Well, let me tell you something ways. else that's interesting, because, you know, if, again, you talk about longevity, and the, um, the definitions of terms have changed over time. So now we talk about old, we talk <laughs> about older old and the oldest old. Isn't that okay. funny? So all I know is, it, I, I'm, well, but I'm like, so old, actually, they've shifted it. So 75, 75 oh. to 84 is considered old. Okay. 85 to 94 is older old. Real old. And the oldest old is greater than 95. Let me tell you about two patients I saw recently in clinic. Just last week, a couple, they still live independently. They function very well. He's 96, mm. oldest old. She's 88. Isn't that wonderful? And again, that's a lot of what we need to study. Mm -hmm. You know, how do those people do better? And what can we do as a region to be able to provide more support? And you mentioned churches. There are a mm -hmm. lot of community things. Sure. I know uh, the Jewish Federation, JCC, does some things, you know, um, a lot of uh, community-based things for individual Jewish family services. Sure. And those are wonderful community things, Catholic charities, sure. where they offer help. But a lot of it is, you know, you're isolated because you can't get somewhere. So we need to Absolutely. do things to, you know, what about transportation for people so they can get to those places? Because, again, you know, if you have medical problems or cognitive decline, you don't want those people to be driving, you know. Well, and you want them to, to me, it's... I, I know this is going to sound awful, but one of the major things, of course, we all, other than religion, but is the gathering sense is that you're with people that you right. know and trust and are friendly and are going to be helpful. And it's important for us all to, to meet together. Now, there's not listening to the on the radio to a religious <laughs> show, but to come in and be in the group. Correct. And, you know, like after most churches, you go down and you have coffee or you have cookies or whatever. And that's just a nice experience. And you're right. How do we, and I'm going to mention that uh, at my church, how do we get older people there? I mean, we have a number of people who come with walkers. Well, you know, and, and sometimes old. what happens, I know in, 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 in my experience, you know, with my, my mm -hmm. religious background, the church moved and it moved to a place where uh, there's not as easy access to public transportation. Uh, yes. And sometimes that can be more isolating yeah. to people. And a lot of times, uh, you know, churches and other groups don't necessarily have the resources to have a bus, you know, their no. own bus to do that, you know, to bring people in. But you probably do have parishioners who would be willing. That's one of the things that we have done yes. at our church. We have a couple of parishioners who live not real close, but close enough to pick up people who are, say, 90, 95, or who have a I have to come in a wheelchair. I have to come with a walker. And, and I, I think, think some that's of great. that is part of, you know, people that age, you know, we all have different uh, sort of values in how we live. And a lot of people want to be private about when there are changes or there's a problem. So maybe their spouse has some cognitive changes or maybe oh, their yes. behavior or mobility. And so they don't want to ask I for understand. help. And yes. I think that 
that's something that, you know, uh, again, I think as as friends, extended family, you know, other groups that support individuals, you know, I think, you know, and again, what about schools? Can schools bring in older people that can help? Because, again, older people being around younger people, it helps. It goes both ways. And you want to teach respect. And, you know, I think there are things as a community we can do better. So, but, you know, it's exciting. Hopefully we can do that. (laughs) I'm very excited that I moved back to New Orleans after being gone for a couple of years. And to find that not only were some of the same people that I had worked with before still here, new people have come, some people that left are back. And so in terms of the community of people that are academicians, clinicians, educators in southern Louisiana, it's exciting. And now we just need to translate that workforce into doing better to care for people and help people to learn more about these brain-related problems. Let me ask you this very Mm -hmm. quickly. You see how time goes fast when you're chatting about things. How can somebody support this? Is this, do you accept donations? Are you writing grants? What are you doing? Yes. Well, so I think I mentioned in the beginning. So we just started at the end of 2017 mm-hmm. where we became incorporated sure. as a 501c3. We have our webpage now up. And if you just go on, just put in Brain Institute of Louisiana, it'll pop right up. And Good. if you click on it, you can see who we are, mm-hmm. what we're doing. We do have accept donations. Good. And there's a, a page where you can even if you want more information, mm-hmm. you can, you know, go on that and look at our our new events. We're on uh, social media. Good. So we have a site on um, LinkedIn. We have a site on Facebook. So, Good. you know, follow us. We're starting mm-hmm. to get followers. And some of that is just because... There's younger people that are, sure. I'm linked with that are starting to spread the words, and I think they're much better with some of the social media <laughs> oh, and yes. getting the word out. And so, but again, we're most excited. And, and our first big fundraiser, which is hopefully also just going to be a good, fun community time, is in Audubon Park. I think I already mentioned that, May 19th. Uh-huh. And if you go to the webpage, Brain Institute of Louisiana, um, you can see where it talks about maintain your brain, and you can click on mm-hmm. it and you can join. We want to get corporate sponsors. Again, we are in the process of just starting to write grants, but a lot of it is sort of our internal work to do okay. yeah. this research to look at the population. So, for example, I've started to do a study. I'm presenting at a, an international conference in Amsterdam in February, and I'm talking about innovative memory care in the North Shore in a oh, clinic I've been working yeah. at. We're doing the work, as I mentioned, with the Emerge Center in um, Baton Rouge in autism. So we're just starting to develop these interinstitutional regional uh, programs. I think this is so wonderful. Now, let's quickly give once again, you can just type into your computer the Brain Institute of Louisiana. Am I right? Yes. So you don't even need up. the they. You okay. can just put Brain of Louisiana. Yes, okay. absolutely. And all this information will come up. And please remember, listeners, the uh, walk in Audubon Park. Everybody is invited, right? May 19th. May yes. 19th. Walk and run. And oh, we're going to have God. some, you know, so it'll be a little bit comp- competitive for oh. for some people. And then there's a number if okay. you want information to call. It's um, area code 504-342-0847. That's 504-342-0847. Dr. Pantis, thank you so much. I think people are going to really enjoy this, and I want to encourage people, call WRBH. We'll keep this card here, so if you've missed this or you can't remember what she said, 
call us and we'll give you the numbers too. But Great. thank you thank so you much. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it and I appreciate you inviting me mm. on today. Well, I'm, I'm very happy to hear. The information was fascinating. We could talk for hours. Yes. Thank you. This has been Public Affairs and WRBH. Thanks for listening.